Blog Talk Radio. All right, I'm I'm logging on right now. I got you on mute. So if you want to jump on, just jump on Skype and I'll pull you up. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I'm your host, Jake Counts. It is November 1st, 2012, and I will be riding solo again for the broadcast podcast this evening. Feel free to call in if you guys want to weigh in on any of the topics that I bring up today, but for those of you that um, that did get a chance to read the post, I'm going to be talking um, a lot about why we should reduce, if not do away with completely the fractional reserve banking system. And I've got a multitude of clips behind me this evening to kind of back up my case. And um, I'll go ahead and give the call-in number. If anybody's listening out there, you want to call in, weigh in on the Federal Reserve, call-in number is 602-753-1916. Thank you for joining us in the battle for liberty worldwide, trying to expose the corrupt elite at the top, getting humanity to turn their attention away from the television and notice what's going on right in front of their eyes with the devaluation of currencies worldwide, the consolidation of powers, executive orders that are coming out that are pretty interesting. Uh, Barack Obama just signed an executive order the other day. But, um, you know, we're just going to cover the waterfront here, trying to get humanity to pay attention because... We are on the verge of some really dangerous stuff. Now, one thing that I did read um, in the news the other day was was pretty interesting, talking about how how the how Ben Bernanke is going to be put to the test now because since we've had all these wreckage and the storm Sandy that came through uh, New York and New Jersey and just left um, a ton of devastation up there. I, I just talked to my friend earlier this evening. He lives uh, just outside the city of New York. He's about 20 miles outside of the city. And he said that um, you know there's still like 7 million people without power. He just got power and cable today, and he um, we were just chatting back and forth about the wreckage and stuff and asking him if he's heard anything about looting. He said no, but it was really funny. One of the points that he brought up, he said that um, – that the government came out and, and made this big announcement. Evidently, there's like 600 miles of uh, subway up there in uh, Manhattan, New York City area, and they come out and they they always make these big announcements over the over the radio. That this one section of the railway is working, and he said it's like a three mile section, and they all get so excited about doing it because that's what government does. It's got to tell you. All the good stuff that it does, not all the bad stuff that it does, not all the chemical experiments on the on the soldiers, not all the um, you know, not all the drone attacks on innocent civilians, none of that stuff. We don't need to tell you about that stuff. That stuff's classified. And I was reading something interesting the other day, and uh, heard it from a, a couple of different news sources that are pretty credible, and it was talking about how the the drone success rate is somewhere um, less than five percent. But yet we got to do more of that. So it's just really interesting to see how, to see how when when government starts to get large, and this is the case in almost every, I mean this is this is the norm. This is not the exception to the rule. It typically is the norm. And you'll you'll get media buying into it. You'll get, um, I mean, just look at what happened in uh, in in Germany where they had, you know, the propaganda minister and. They had a huge propaganda machine. They had a war on terror. They had um, they had all about um, keeping the country safe and and making sure that it was safe for the for the German nationalists. They didn't care about anybody else that they were invading. It was just you know it was all about the the motherland or the homeland. I, I think the motherland was uh, Russia actually. So we're seeing similar things here in the United States, and it's just the product of big government and. Like I said, not saying individually that the that the people that are in government are bad necessarily. It's just what happens when you get um, – it's basically billions and billions of dollars that start floating around. And typically people that will 
get elected to um, uh, Congress, politicians for the most part, sometimes they have already been through the ranks and, and have earned a pretty decent amount of money. And now they're going through the political system to, to further their business endeavors and further their business relationships. And so that has an extreme carryover once you get into you know something like the Congress or the Senate, where now you have access to all these other powers that you didn't have access to before being able to vote stuff um you know through and and vote stuff out so it's you know i I say this all the time, but I, I just need to say it I'm probably going to say it every show it's it's our fault, guys. It is our fault that we let this stuff get away from us. I mean now the TSA is going to be running checkpoints on the highways. And, and out on the streets, not just uh, not just in the airport. And, and what people get so up in arms about, and this is just a side issue, but what people get so up in arms about about the TSA is that they believe that you know since it's since it's America, then they have a Fourth Amendment. Yes and no, well, especially in an airport because. It's basically private property, and they're a private security force, supposedly, even though they're federally funded. Um, you pretty much give away your rights. And um, Gary Johnson was actually on um, on uh, Infowars Nightly News the other night, and I took some clips from it because there were some really good questions that they asked. They didn't ask the powder puff questions that you got in the debates about who was going to give more money to Medicare or Medicaid. Was it going to be Barack Obama or Mitt Romney? And who was going to do more drone attacks? And they all they both fought over who that was going to be. So, you, you know, they asked him about real issues, real questions, and they asked him about Bohemian Grove and a couple of other things, and, you know, I, I think I align myself with him that I I believe that that's probably just a, a male retreat, even though a lot of stuff is going on over there. I mean, business deals happen all over the place. Business deals happen at lunches. Business deals happen at dinners behind closed doors. I mean, these things go on. Just because a bunch of guys get together doesn't mean this is a huge conspiracy that, that they're going to try to take over the world, as Pinky in the Brain would say. But, you know, digressing off of that, there there are a couple of things that I did want to talk about. Um, one of the news articles that I read this week, and I'll be sure to post these on, on the website, uh, wearenotcattle.net, and I will also um, put up any videos that I that I mentioned here tonight on the – I'll probably put that uh, whole interview with Gary Johnson on the YouTube channel, um, We Are Not Cattle TV, just to give everybody a, a quick point of reference for the documents and, and the videos that I'm talking about here this evening. But the Bloomberg, it was, a, it was an opinion piece, but it talks – and it – and the the title of the article is Disasters Create Bigger, Not Better Government, which is which is very true. Because what what happens when you have natural disasters is what used to happen is you used to have local you know, you used to have local states, um let's say that let's say that for instance Florida gets hit with a with a hurricane. So you would have National Guard from Georgia, uh, Alabama, and so on and so forth would go down and help with disaster relief. And and Georgia would send aid via bonds, and, and same thing with Alabama and South Carolina or whomever was in the region. It wasn't a big government FEMA coming in and dumping off a bunch of trucks and and um, humongous um, – what were they? Trailers that they used in Katrina that nobody actually even got, and then – it's when you get large government in in these instances where where they should be doing some good that um it it's typically mismanaged yeah, mismanaged funding mismanaged uh, execution you name it i mean it it runs the gamut of of mismanagement it's like, it's like it'd be like you giving a bunch of you know trailers and and checks to the keystone cops and then watching them run and and fall all over themselves because that's in essence what it is there's just no coordination i mean they they try to have coordination but uh and this came out in the, in the news and you guys can um, you guys can research this if you want and i'll uh, i'll try to see if i can find a document and reference it on on my website but they were giving out checks to dead people after Katrina people that have been dead for like 15 20 years and they were, you know, cutting checks for them for, you know, for, for, uh, for damages and stuff. So it, it gets really, it gets really ominous when you start seeing uh, the government take over all facets of life, and that's what you're seeing here today. There, there, there's a, there's a, a law up for vote to say that that we can't, um, that we can't do secondhand transactions anymore. So in essence, that you would, you would completely abolish eBay overnight. And but you, I think the caveat was that you have to get um, you have to get sanctioned from the seller, 
in order to do a, a secondhand transaction. So whoever the original seller was. So if you bought, uh, let's say, a laptop from Dell and you wanted to sell it to your to your buddy, you couldn't go through eBay and sell it to somebody on eBay because then you would have to get permission from Dell to sell the product that you bought, which you have possession of. And you would have to go to Dell and say, I would like to sell the product that I bought from you two years ago to somebody on eBay. And they're trying to do away with that, and they're trying to get away from swap meets and all kinds of other stuff. It's just out-of-control red tape bureaucracy crap is what it is. And these, whoever these people are that make these decisions are the people that believe that if you don't have everything in your house absolutely bulletproof when you have not even a toddler, when you have an infant, that your house is not safe for them to bring their baby into. I mean, they're control freaks to the uh, utmost extent. They they believe, rightfully so, what I've seen out of the general public over the last couple of years, that, that people can't think for themselves that they need to be told and dictated what to do, where to go, and, and when to be there. So it's not that we can have free choice or free association anymore. It's we're going to pretty much tell you what you need to do. And it's kind of like when Mayor Bloomberg came out and banned large sodas. Just so asinine. Like, why would you even do that? Why why, why ban sodas? I mean, don't you have something better to do with your time? Don't you have something better to do than to go after a, a freaking big gulp? I mean, what a waste of money. How much is your salary? We should deduct you. Mayor Bloomberg, I want you to give your salary for the day back on that whatever day that was. I don't care what else you did that day. That needs to go back to the people because that was just dumb. You know? So digressing off of that, it's going into the Federal Reserve System, and this is what I really wanted to get into today because I've got a lot of clips, and I'll get into some news on the backside. But I really wanted to kind of get everybody on the same page as why we're, why we're in this financial position that we're in. We're in a very awkward financial position, and it has a lot to do – with what's going on in the Middle East, and it has a lot to do with the the uh, I guess the removal of Glass Steagall, which basically combined commercial banking with investment banking, so that now they can they can take your title and basically bet your title a couple of different times. So it it really runs into it just gave more money to the, to the casino than Wall Street and. And with the trades that go on in Wall Street that are in fractions of a second, it's really not humanly possible, nor is it possible for any computers to kind of track and understand what's going on. So, I mean, I know that they have watchdog groups and stuff like that. But hey, the CDME group, the head of the, the watchdog group for the Commodities Mercantile Exchange Group, talked about how John Corzine was on the call where they talked about they were going to raid segregated accounts where John Corzine sold – you know, over a billion dollars from individual accounts. Well, not him personally, but it happened on his watch. He was the CEO, and and nobody gets in trouble for it. Nobody gets persecuted for that. But heaven forbid you miss your light bill. That thing is going out, son. They are cutting your lights off. So it's it's just the – basically they've taken the pyramid, which – the United States was supposed to be this pyramid that was led from the bottom up, and it was supposed to be the president and the cabinet, and then you know Congress and and all these other governing bodies were beneath the people, where the people made decisions at the local level, and then it trickled down. And if it if it ever needed to be escalated, it would go to the state level, and then if it needed to be escalated beyond that, it would go to the to the national level to the federal level. But now the pyramid has been completely flipped upside down, and now it's the federal government dictating to the states and everyone else what we can and can't do, where we can and can't go. Now, I, I haven't confirmed this, but I I um, I heard the other day, and I read one article on it, so I don't want to really you know run with it, that we're starting to institute capital controls here in the United States as far as having cash and being able to leave the United States with cash. So even if you have all the right in the world that you want to leave, you just want to pack up your stuff and let's say you, you your wife gets a new job and you guys have to move to Malaysia or something like that. You can't leave with your money. And I remember last year that the um the um the IRS has issued that you can't travel if they say that you owe taxes. No judge, no jury, you don't get a trial. They just say that you owe taxes, and you can't leave. So 
when you see stuff like that, it, it presents a really awkward scenario for the people that are paying attention, and, and it's our job as the patriots, as the people that, that love liberty and want freedom and are, are, are against the, the the police state and are against these these unjust wars, you know, not even sanction, sanction wars. We're just bombing people. We don't even ask permission from Congress. We don't do anything. We just say, all right, well, we're going to go do there, and we're going to go fund radical jihadis. And then the radical jihadis are going to kick out the new regime, and they're going to fly the al-Qaeda flag over Libya. But that's okay because we got rid of Gaddafi. And the real reason – I mean there's a lot of shady stuff that went on. So you know, Gaddafi started trading oil in euros, or at least he wanted to trade oil in euros and gold. And you're starting to see that same thing over in Iran where they're starting to make deals with other nations like Russia and Brazil to trade oil in – and, and just for um, asset swaps for the most part and just not going through the American dollar because any 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 barrel of oil that gets purchased in the world has to be converted into dollars first and then it gets you know purchased um, and then it gets converted into oil. So in essence, since the dollar is weakening so bad, you're starting to see all these nations make better and better business. I mean it's just business decisions at the end of the day. I mean they're not trying to slight us or anything. It's Hey, we're not going to get – if I convert this to dollars, the dollar is so weak right now. It's back like – back. Uh, I guess like in the in the um, early 80s when the Deutschmark was really weak, my father used to um, order Mercedes from, from Germany and have them sent here and then resell them to try to make a couple bucks. And it was a, <clears throat> it was a really good business because the Deutschmark was so weak. I mean, it was just really weak. So – you could get a lot of value for an American dollar versus a Deutschmark. Well, we're seeing the exact opposite now. We're seeing that the American dollar is getting weaker, and 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 countries and are trying to find ways to circum you know I'm not want to say circumnavigate this wrong word, but you know circumvent the American dollar in order to get more for their purchasing power. And of course, the U.S. government doesn't like that because that's cutting in on our action and it's not giving us. The good standing around the world. So we're running into a conundrum here of what do we do? Well, we've been instilled in this fractional reserve banking system for over 100 years. The banking system is entrenched worldwide. It's not just here. It's the World Bank. It's the IMF. It's all those guys. They all go out of the same – it's all run on the same idea, and that's the idea of credit. Now, who creates the credit? Well, here in the United States, if the government needs a loan, it has to go to the Federal Reserve. And the Federal Reserve is a private entity in itself. It's a private, as Alan Greenspan called it, it's, a, it's an independent agency. It's, a, it's a basically a private bank that the United States uh, – you might as well just put um, – you might as well just put, I don't know, SunTrust on it. I mean it might as well be. They got shareholders. They're guaranteed return on investment. We don't know who the shareholders are, so we don't know what kind of conflicts of interest we have going. So the United States has to get money from the Fed, the Federal Reserve, and we get the money from the Federal Reserve, and much like any other banking system, the Federal Reserve makes that money up mostly out of nothing most of the time. Sometimes they do asset swaps, but most of the time it's made up out of thin air. And then not only do they make it up out of thin air, money they don't even have… They charge us interest on it, and that's called fractional reserve lending. So here's a clip from Bill Still breaking down fractional reserve lending, and then after that, it's another clip from Bill Still, and he talks about what that interest is doing to the United States and how it's putting us in a predicament. And this is not just us, everybody. This is worldwide. You are seeing this worldwide. You are seeing what happened in Greece. They're talking about now over in Greece that… And and the Greek people figured it out. The American people still have not figured this stuff out. Okay, what's the biggest problem? Well, the biggest problem is that you have a bunch of people at the top have found loopholes, regulations. They get in, they get in government. They put their operatives in there, and they escape all these taxes. I mean, GE paid what three percent taxes? GE. And, and what do we have to pay as citizens? We got to pay upwards of forty percent, maybe even fifty in some instances. So it's completely flipped on its head. You know, the corporate taxes, and everybody's like, "Well, you know, corporations are going to cheat. That's just what they do." I mean, well, that's on you. Now you have to start holding them to a higher ethical standard. You have to start closing some of these loopholes. 
And any if whether it's a Republican or Democrat, if they sit up there and they tell you that they're going to close the loopholes, that's a little crap. They've got way too much money and way too many donors. There's just too much money involved for that to happen. They can't do it. It's like Warren Buffett makes the joke all the time. Well, hey, my um, my secretary pays more in taxes than I do. Yeah, we know because it's all capital gains, you jerk. Or at least people like me that understand it. Yeah, you get all your stuff from capital gains and then you throw the rest of them in nonprofit organizations and make your money that way. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. We understand how that stuff works. It's a racket. Just like war is a racket. And as soon as you guys can understand that, then, then all this stuff will start to snap into place. It's <clears throat> in the United States, it's about two things. It's about money and minerals. Can we make money, and do they have minerals? If they have minerals, we're probably going to need those. So we're going to go get them, and we're going to take them. And if you don't like it, we're going to fund some radical jihadis in there to come and blow some stuff up and then blame it on your government and then come and overthrow you guys. It's the way the game is played, everyone. It's not Fantasy Island. This is real life. I mean, all you have to do is is read... Understand history and understand some small geopolitical – just think of everything as – all right. Think of the governments as like mafias back in the 60s, like mob bosses. What would they do? So if I got some guy – let's say here, – here's a great example. We'll use, the, we'll use prohibition as an example, and you can reference this through Boardwalk Empire or whatever you want to reference it through. So let's say that I'm Nation A, and I've got – a million gallons worth of whiskey. Nation B doesn't have any whiskey, but they've got guns. But they want some whiskey, so they offer to buy some. And then they buy some for a little while. And they say, okay, well, we'll sell you this whiskey for you know $10 a bottle. So they buy it for a little while and then distribute it and use it. This is a good analogy for oil. And so after they use it for a while, they're like, oh, this is getting a little – and then the price starts going up. So uh, it's not $10 anymore because inflation happened because the Federal Reserve's kind of you know, printing too much money. So we're getting running into inflation, so now it's 12 bucks, And now it's 15 and then it's 20 and then it's 25 Well, finally the nation says, well, if I could just hire a little kid to go in there and maybe steal a few, then I'll get those on the cheap. So let's try that. So they start hiring people to go in there and steal a few barrels or, excuse me, steal a few bottles. Kid comes back, got a couple bottles. Cool, we got those for free. That worked really well. Let's send in a couple more kids. Now all of a sudden the kids get caught. And just like the mafia of the old, kids get caught, guy gets caught, whomever, they shoot him on sight. And now... Country B that's been buying all those things that sent in their agent to go and try to steal from the other nation that had their guy killed says, okay, now that means war. You killed one of our people. We're going to invade, and we're going to take all your stuff. That's somewhat how it works. It's a little bit more complicated than that. There's a couple different layers on it, but that's that's how the world works, everyone. The world doesn't work like you know, the Kardashians. That's not how the world works. That's that's fantasy land. I was listening to a radio show the other day, you know, it talked about how and I remember people talking about this when I was growing up, this kind of dates myself. But I remember people talking about how um people always wanted to go to um they always wanted to go to the island where Gilligan's Island was. Like I want to know I want to go there, I want to go visit there. No no, you morons. That's a set. It's a TV set, it's not real, it's fake. And there's there's articles out where where people that are starring in shows like Homeland are, are getting run – not run down, but people are actually thinking that they're the character. And that happens all the time. But it, it's this culture that we live in. There's two separate realities going on. There's the real reality, which is where I'm trying to get everybody to kind of look towards. I'm not saying that you have to live, eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff like I do. I don't, I don't say that. But at least pay attention for a little while, and then you'll, you'll get a broader scope of what's going on. And, 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 I'll, and I'll tell you this. Once you start understanding and once you start getting some of this knowledge and once you start paying attention to what's going on, it's like opening the floodgates. And all you want to do is do this. 
It really becomes addictive because you get addicted to reality. You get addicted to wanting to know what's going on. You get addicted, much like our founding fathers were, to to just innate human rights. What's real? What is what? What are we? What are we given by our Creator, whomever you believe that Creator to be? What, what are the rights that we're giving that are inalienable that we are guaranteed as human beings? Living in a society, what are those rights? Well, we've already got them. We got them written down on a piece of paper. It's really old. And then you had Time Magazine coming out two years ago talking about, is this the end of the Constitution? What are you guys talking about? Will you quit trying to be nation builders for five minutes? Nation builders is a, is a, is a great cop-out for what I like to refer to as propaganda. They refer to themselves as nation builders. Because we're spreading democracy. No, you're not. You're spreading bombs. You're spreading torture. You're spreading death. That's what you're spreading. Guys have to realize that. The military-industrial complex is a machine of death. You know why? Because death and destruction, ask Halliburton, pays really damn well. And they don't care because they're at the top. What do they care? You're little ants. Do you even <clears> – <throat> Sorry, excuse me, I'm getting over a cold, but do you even think twice as a human when you get, let's say a mosquito lands on your arm and he bites you and you smack it? Do you even think twice about, oh my god, I just killed a mosquito, I just killed a living, breathing thing, I just killed a thing that inhabits this earth with me? No. That's exactly the way that they see you. And all of this, or at least the majority of it, centers around money. So that's why I make such a stink about getting rid of the Fed or auditing the Fed because we need to know. We need to know what what's going on here because this stuff has just been getting too out of control. You know, we can let the system run itself for a while, but when the system starts saying that they can come out and secretly arrest me and brown bag me and ship me off to Gitmo and stuff like that, uh, uh-uh. that's where I got to start paying attention. So here's the Bill Still clip. Sorry for the long build up. So what is the national debt? When government spends more than it collects in taxes, it has to borrow the difference by selling interest-bearing IOUs such as U.S. bonds. When a U.S. bank buys a $100 U.S. bond, it gets to loan out 10 times that amount. So the bank not only gets back the $100 plus interest from the federal government, it gets to loan out another $1,000 it doesn't have and charge additional interest. Banks are allowed to create this extra money out of thin air. So, banks aren't making only 6% interest, for example. They are really making over 1,000% interest. That's why bank buildings are the biggest in every town on the planet. This system of lending way more than you have is called fractional reserve lending. Almost all our money is created by banks, lending it to people, to companies, or to government. With no assets backing it, just made up out of thin air, punched into a computer, and voila, there's your car. What, you want a Hyundai? How much? 30 grand? There it is. Look at that. Here's your 30 grand. Now, just make sure you pay that back with interest, and we'll be all good. So that's how it works, everyone. Now, so if we pay not only the original loan back, so when they talk about these bailouts and when you start looking at all this devastation and stuff up in New York and New Jersey, man, who's going to be on the hook for that? You best believe it's going to be the taxpayers again, and we'll probably have some kind of stimulus, some kind of – they like to cloud these terms. Quantitative easing. Jake, what is quantitative easing? Well, there's been three different ones, and they've all been different things. Operation Twist was number two, which basically did absolutely nothing. Uh, The third, which we were already in the mix of, is basically just – they say that it's not monetizing debt, but it sounds like monetizing debt to me. When you're buying basically really, really bad loans at a rate of $40 billion a month. Yeah, $40 billion a month. So there you go. So they're buying up all these bad bank loans that all these idiots 
lent out to all these other idiots that wanted to buy or got talked into buying a $300,000 house at $1,000 a month for 30 years, and they thought that that was reasonable. Yeah, that seems about right. Oh, it's it's what's called an arm. It's a adjustable rate mortgage. For the first five years, it's going to be this, and then after that, it's going to go up. But don't worry, because the housing market's increasing at 6% every year. You're going to make triple your money back by the time, except for everybody did that, and the crap collapsed. And everybody knew it was going to collapse. A lot of economists knew it was going to collapse. But they they cozy up to this. They cozy up to – I hate calling it the establishment. It's just like the momentum, I guess, because whatever whatever the, the very, very high ups that control the media, that control government – that can, I mean, guys, you have to realize that this isn't – I mean, look at Barack Obama and Mitt Romney. Do you think either one of those guys is going to pull any kind of strings? They're, I mean, what are they going to do? The only thing they can do is sit there and look good in a shirt and roll their sleeves up. And God, if I see another one of those guys walking around in a city with his stupid sleeves cuffed up, his, like rolled up twice and they're nice and pressed, it makes me sick. I mean, how big of a boob do you have to be to buy that crap? Really? That's the hard-working American? You got one guy that's never held a job in his life. He's been a community organizer, which is probably a great thing. Not a great thing for the president. I mean, it's a great thing. He's a great order. He's incredible. A lot of questionable background on him. And you got this other guy that comes from a company that used to go around and restructure companies, sell them off bits and pieces and restructure and reorganize them. Who do I want running my country? Neither. I will take neither, Bob. Thank you. But that's the choices that we're supposedly given. So didn't mean to get on that tirade, but just open your eyes, people. Just open your eyes and look, and, and you and everybody says, oh, it's the lesser of two evils. It doesn't have to be. You know why it's the lesser of two evils? Because you're too busy watching football or because you're too busy watching Dancing with the Stars or The Voice to even care. If you got politically active, if you knew who Gary Johnson was, if if half of the nation knew who Gary Johnson was, this would be a, this would be a done deal. It would be a wrap. Why? Because he takes almost the best from both parties and puts them together. And it's a libertarian candidate. It, it is it is probably going to be the only answer that we're going to have in the next four years. And that's only if he gets five percent of the vote. Because if he gets five percent of the vote, then he actually gets, starts getting federal funding, which could completely turn this thing on its head. But then we always have to watch out because history will repeat itself if we abolish the two-party system, much like we did with the Whigs and the Tories and then the Republicans and Democrats replace those guys, and then they flip-flop completely. And now a Republican is a Democrat, and a Democrat is a Republican. It's just completely a joke. So we got to watch out for that. We've got to be aware. We've got to be informed. We've got to know history. We've got to know this stuff. Otherwise, this machine that we're under, this military-industrial complex machine… You know, tagged alongside it with the propaganda machine, the media machine. I mean, they're not in it for your education, everybody. They're going to give you some little tidbits and nuggets because they know that you're half paying attention to this crap. They're in it for ratings. They're there to sell commercials. They're there to sell drugs, man. They're there to sell some pharmaceutical drugs. Do you know that our country is one of two countries in the world that actually allows direct-to-market consumers for drugs? I don't even know if I said that right. Basically, we and New Zealand are the only two countries in the world that the medical association and the medical and the and the big pharma companies can market directly to you, and they do it to you through the television. Ask your doctor if this is right for you. May cause abdominal bleeding, may cause death, sudden stroke, birth defects. But ask them if it's right for you. Now, what's your doctor going to – and then you're going to go in there like you're all informed because do you ever feel tired? Yeah, I do feel tired. Do you ever feel stressed? Yeah, I do feel stressed. Then ask your doctor about Prozac. I'm going to ask him about that. What do you think about Prozac? I feel like this, this, and this. I've already diagnosed myself. Just give me the prescription and I'll go take it, and that will make me feel better. We're in the society of uh, – we think that there's always the quick fix. It's like my friend tells me all the time, and I give him credit for this because this is a, this is just a, a great way to describe humanity. When given the choice, humans will always take the path of least resistance. 
So if it's, oh my God, I'm 50 pounds overweight, I need to get my butt to the gym and I need to change my diet, and I, and I need to consult with somebody that understands nutrition so that I can fix myself. Or you can take this fin fin or you can take this you know uh, hydroxy cut or whatever, and that will make you rip diesel in six weeks. It'll probably give you the shakes and may, might make your heart explode. But hey, it's a, it's a hell of a lot easier than going out and getting a personal trainer and nutritionist and, and sitting down with somebody and actually doing this stuff the, the hard way. But I'm in sales and I've learned this. The the easy way is always the wrong way. If it's the hard way, it's the right way. So I did want to give my friend Brian a shout-out for that because he uses that almost every day. So, Brian, big props to you, man. You got it out on the radio, finally remembered. So so let's go back into the fractional reserve banking. Sorry, my brain's kind of everywhere today, but that's what happens. So what is it that really gets us into trouble? Is it the actual lend itself or is it is it the the interest that we have to pay on top of the lend? Remember, when you get that $30,000 car note, you just get $30,000. You don't get a note for $30,000 plus the interest. So where does the interest come from? Well, the interest has to be put into the money supply, but guess who? The private bank that loans our government money at interest and controls the issuance of currency. They control it. They control how much currency is in the is in is in the United States and they can they supposedly since they're such great central planners they can control in um inflation and deflation be, just due to how much money is in the money supply and how much debt they have in their balance sheets and stuff like that but remember they're the geniuses and we're the morons so we have to listen to what they say and if it's and if it's not working we have to do more of what they say because that'll fix it. I mean, you guys saw what happened in Greece, right? For those of you that were paying attention, about a year ago, Greece was having trouble. And if you listen to my early broadcast back in February, I even told you the way that this thing was going to go down. It was going to be Greece, Spain, maybe Portugal after that. It's not because I'm a rocket scientist, guys. I could just do debt-to-GDP ratio. I'm not, a, I'm not a genius. Who's got the most debt? Oh, these guys do. Oh my God, that's twice their GDP. That's completely unsustainable. Whereas our balance sheet's not looking any better. We're right at GDP. I mean, we're right at it. Dead, only dead over. Maybe a little bit under. Our debt to GDP ratio is almost dead even. So hang on to your britches, guys, because that stuff's coming here. And don't say I didn't warn you. So if it comes in two years... Be like, oh my God, I did hear this guy on the radio one time on this podcast that told me that this stuff was coming. And it's not just me saying it, it's a lot of economists. But, you know, and now they run these commercials, and, and I just laughed so hard when I saw it. It's, um, God, I don't even want to plug the company. But it's by a guy that signed the Constitution really, really big. It's one of those companies. It's actually, that's the name of the company. So they have these videos of these people laying in bed, and they're all laying in bed, and, and, and the wife's laying in bed, and the husband's up worrying about, well, the stock market's up, and then it's down, and then it's up, and then it's down. I'm really worried. Maybe we should just take our money and put it under the mattress. And then she's like, you don't need to worry about that. We can just call these people. Yeah, give it to a bunch of crooks, not necessarily calling these people crooks, but give it to a bunch of shysters that have been doing this shit for hundreds and hundreds of years, excuse my language, and and you're going to expect different results in that, in the definition of insanity? But, but the media and, and the whole system pushes confidence. Because if they lose confidence, they know that the game's up. If they lose consumer confidence, the whole thing falls apart. I don't want the whole thing to fall apart. That'd be horrible. I don't want to be in a third world country. You kidding? I like heat. I like electricity. I like internet. No thanks. I like food. So it's just really, really insane. That, and that's how I know that it's getting closer. And that's how I know that people and more people are waking up is because I start seeing ads like that. It, it takes me two places. Number one, it makes me laugh because I know it's just a big joke. It, and, and the joke's on you. And that's the really scary part. Number two, it makes me happy 
because evidently there are enough people out there that are pulling their money out of the system. That these people are going, oh, well, we got to run an ad to stop this because people are starting to really, really pull money out of the system, starting to lose trust in the system. We can't have that. So it's it's like <clears throat> the bankers have this idea that everybody's got to go down with the ship, and they've already made their money. They're like, you just got to stay in there, man. Stay, hang in there. It reminds me of the it reminds me of the uh, the Jerry Seinfeld episode where they go buy the stock. It's a hot stock, and George is, you know, in there, and, and Jerry's in there, and they both buy the stock, and the stock keeps dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping. And Jerry finally bails, and then George sticks it out and says he's going to go down with the ship, and the stock actually takes off, and and he makes a little bit of money on it. So it's almost the exact opposite. It actually is the exact opposite. There's not going to be a, a huge rebound, guys. There's not a huge rebound in Greece. What's happening over in Greece is that the people are getting pissed because they realize that the people at the top have stolen a ton of money through loopholes, you know, bribes, etc., and they're mad. That's why they're rioting. They know what happened to them. Same thing happened here on a grand scale. You can talk about from the 80s on, man. It has just been open season on the public because we have just been watching Baywatch, all these things to just completely distract us. And then what really gets me is that now television is is um is culture. Television's our culture. If you can't come up to somebody and talk to them about two different uh, like three or four different things. If you can't talk to somebody about something that happened that's very um that's trending right now. I, I don't, you know, it's something trending on Twitter. You know, whether it's, um, you know, Kim Kardashian's Halloween costume or something like that, or you can't talk to them about football or sports, or if you can't talk to them about um, The Walking Dead or something like that, once again, that would be something that's that's trending, then then you're pretty much out of the conversation. If you don't follow one of the, the mainline talking points from somebody that's, that sits around and watches television all day… Then they don't have any common interests with you, and, and you can't interact with them. It's really kind of sad. And then you have a completely different side of the spectrum, which is a, a, a smaller side. And people like myself, they want to get outside and do stuff. They want to, you know, interact with their friends. They don't. I mean, I watch a TV. You know, probably watch like four TV shows a week. I don't sit there and plug myself into it. So. You have just completely different views here, and the more that we get sucked into this television culture, the more that people, the more that people gravitate towards that because real life is kind of scary. It's kind of scary to watch, you know, hurricanes fly into New York and knowing that it's only a Category One. And my friend from New York told me, dude, if it was a Category Three or more, it, this is this place is done. That's scary stuff, but hey, that's reality. And I choose reality. I don't choose your plate, your your plastic fake television culture. I don't choose that. No, not anymore. So we have to get people to to pay attention to the real issues, to pay attention to what's really gonna what's really gonna affect us. And the Federal Reserve is really gonna affect us, guys. The way that our money's created—that's a big deal. And after this clip, I want to tell you a story, a brief one. About one of one of my friends told me he was having a conversation with a with a friend of his, and uh, what she said about um, about our debt, and um, and I'm sure that you know you guys listening to the you know, broadcast tonight or or the podcast when it gets re-aired, you probably got people like this too, and you'll probably be right in the same boat that I am with him and. You just look at them and just say, good gosh, what in the heck did you learn? So here you go. Here's here's what the real problem is, everybody, getting back to the, the interest-bearing um, um, portion of the, of the Fed. Well, it's no secret to any American that we're living in very precarious times. Americans are being robbed blind, and they don't even know who's doing the robbing. I mean, we clearly are you know, in a bus, and we're heading for the edge of a cliff. And there still is probably time to change course. The only problem is the people driving the bus don't realize that there's a cliff there yet. If the problem that's uh, grinding the economy to a halt is too much debt, and if nobody in the government 
in either party is looking at solving the debt problem, then the answer is it's going to go uh, to, into a depression as far as the eye can see. And so we're going to have a massive, massive uh, recession, or let's call it a depression, while the economy rebalances away from a service sector economy towards a good producing economy, away from a borrow and spend economy to a save and produce economy. That's what we need to do. We can't get from where we are to where we need to be without a severe depression. What can government do? The sad answer is, under our current monetary system, nothing. It's not going to get any better until the root cause of the problem is understood and addressed. There isn't enough stimulus money in the entire world to get us out of this hole. Why? Debt. The national debt is just like our consumer debt. It's the interest that's killing us. So there you go. So that was, uh, I think it was Peter Schiff, and I can't remember the other guy that was on there, but Bill still was the last commentator. But that's it, guys, the interest. And then the Fed drops interest rates to zero. So that sounds like a good idea, right? Oh, cool, they're going to lend us money for free. Well, not really. They don't lend the money to us, and they don't lend the money to the government for free. They lend the money to the big banks for free, and then the big banks hold the money. Just like most of all these corporations out there that are hanging on to money right now. And, you, and you're probably asking yourself, Jake, why are all these big corporations hanging on to this money? Why aren't they hiring people? Because they understand, guys. They see what's going on over in Europe. They saw that a couple of years ago. They're like, you know, there's a lot smarter people than me that are trying to work on this stuff, and especially in large corporations. There are a lot of people plugged into the entire world economy, and they're looking at this thing going, ugh. This doesn't look good. Yeah, you know, when you got when you got billionaires and millionaires leaving the country, straight up leaving, going, man, I made my fortune here in America, but man, this nah, no more. And that's what kind of made me think the other day that was really interesting. Uh, my wife and I talked about how George Lucas sold um, all the rights for Lucas Studios, which he said he would never ever do. I'm a big Star Wars nerd, so there you go. Said he would. He said he would never, never sell Lucas Studios. What does he do? He sells Lucas Studios to Disney for like two billion dollars. I would almost bet money that George Lucas is going to be out of the United States in less than a year. I would almost bet money on that because there is no other reason for that man to leave. I mean, he's got all the money in the world. He's got, you know, Lucas Ranch. That my sister's actually been to. Said it was incredible. So. I mean, dude, people are bouncing. And rich people, damn, they I'm sure they got better connections than I do. I mean, they have got some they have got people that know money about money and I mean, just all kinds of goodness. So when you start seeing stuff like that, that's when it makes me nervous. And then you start to see the clamp down domestically. So it gets into a really, really bad situation for us as the citizens, especially the you know the ones of us that are either living at or are below minimum wage. What are they going to do when inflation hits? I mean, inflation's already been going on. That's why you see gas prices go up and down. You know, so it, it really does become a a question. Of how do we get this going? How do we get the public to pay attention? Alex Jones's theory is to get on there, rant and rave, and yell at everybody and tell everybody to pay attention. Works for a lot of people. Hey, it worked for me. Now that I'm paying attention, it's like, okay, maybe that's, I mean, a direct approach is a great approach, I guess, but for some people, it's a big turnoff. So I try to bring you the facts. I try to bring you audio clips. I try to bring you all these things, point you in the right direction. Just, you know, like I said on the last show, you're going to hear some stuff on this show that's going to sound crazy. That's fine. Leave it. You don't need that. If you think that it's outside of the scope of what you can then you can fathom, then then leave it. Just understand that you heard it and that it and that it's probably really factually accurate because I don't just sit up here and spout rhetoric because that gets you nowhere. So I'm going to go to another clip here, and this is this is the this is part of the Gary Johnson clip, and it's got uh, this might take up the balance of the time here, but um, I want to he I want you guys to hear 
This is what every presidential candidate should sound like. If you're for liberty and freedom, don't just sit up there and say, I'm for freedom, I'm for liberty, and I'm going to sign the NDAA and take your rights away if we say so. No judge, no jury. There go your rights. So don't give me that garbage. Be about it, man. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. So here's a, here's the first part of the Gary Johnson interview. That we will prevail in these debates because um, I think we have some terrific arguments to basically suggest that, you know, in a head-to-head uh, poll against uh, Obama, uh, I am I, I poll way ahead of the 15% uh, criteria or threshold that they set. So the issue will, the matter will be heard, and maybe it affects, you know, what occurs the next presidential cycle. Is that right? Exactly. And uh, there could be, like I say, we'll see how this plays out. But it's alive and well, and we're kicking and screaming, and rightfully so. Now, um, Governor, um, what were your thoughts on the presidential debates? What both candidates had to say. Well, just much to do about nothing. I mean, when you've got uh, the two of them arguing over who's going to spend more money on Medicare. Uh, look, we need to slash Medicare spending. We need to balance the federal budget now. Medicare is a benefit that you and I put $30,000 into, and we receive a $100,000 benefit. Uh, that is not sustainable in any way, shape, or form. We ought to have a raging debate and discussion in this country over how we provide a health care safety net for those over 65, but to continue uh, to do what we're doing, uh, we're going to experience a monetary collapse if we continue uh, this unsustainable spending. Now, let me sound like a liberal here and, and give you a liberal argument. What about those that say, yes, Governor, we obviously get more than what we put in, but that's because the wealthy people you know, offset that cost, offset the additional money we're receiving. What would you say well, to them? Well, that's, that's totally bogus. Uh, however, uh, however wealthy you are, whatever you put into Medicare, uh, you can expect three times uh, the uh, return based on what you put in, regardless of how much you put in. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's Medicare, unsustainable in any way, shape, or form. You know, we talk about a hundred trillion dollars in unfunded liabilities moving forward. Well, that's Medicare at the top of that heap. Look, we balance the federal budget tomorrow. All that unfunded liability goes away because basically what we're do what we would be doing today by balancing the budget is we would take away those unfunded liabilities. We we would be with, living within our means. So the wealthy cannot offset, you know, that deficit. No, it's not possible to offset that deficit. Uh, nor is it possible to offset the deficit when it comes to uh, Medicaid, health care for the poor. And then, uh, you know, going back to the debates, uh, both of uh, Romney is saying he's going to spend more money on the military uh, when we need to slash military spending also. Uh, and I'll, I'll start with a preface here. We need, to, we need and owe ourselves an obligation uh, to provide ourselves with a strong national defense. Uh, but defense is the operative word, not offense, uh, not nation building. And our military interventions uh, continue uh, with us uh, creating a lot more enemies to this country than we have friends. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Governor, but I heard that you were earlier this year hassled by the TSA and you filed a couple of complaints against them. Is that true? No, that's not true, but I am hassled by TSA uh, every day of the week, and it's the Constitution-free zone, and I uh, hate being subject to uh, uh, unwarranted search and seizure. I hate it. Well, so there you go. Even Gary Johnson talks about how that's a constitution-free zone when you go into the airports. That's why they started the TSA at the airports, everyone. Once again, I talk about this a lot because it's it's training. It's slave training. And think about this logically. If you wanted to bring in – let's say you're this uh, – let's get cartoonish for a second because that's almost what it's come to at this point – Let's say that you are a cartoon bad guy, and you want to take over the world, and you want to get these people to fall in line, these people that have had freedom and liberty and great quality of life for their entire lives, generations. How would you go about doing that? Well, first, you have to teach them to respect who you are and who you are is this over 
reaching humongous dictator once again. So how do you do that? Well, first, you have to get them to fall in line. Well, we can we can we can start when they're really young and teach them how to walk in the halls and lines. And we can teach them that um what we say in these books is is truth. And so by the time they've they've learned how to do that for for years and years on end, then we'll um then we'll we'll graduate them from from that little portion of things from that little learning exercise and then we'll we'll create this other system that is uh education by choice so you can choose where you would like to be educated and we can charge them money for that that'll work and then they'll choose to educate themselves in what areas they want so now now that they've chosen which area they would like to be educated in and how they want to contribute to society, we're going to release them out in the world. That's fine. Give them free will, so to speak. So now that they're out in the world and they're contributing to society and they're making money and making families and being part of communities, we have to somehow get all of those people to buy into... The fact that I am the only one that can keep them safe. Me, the overwhelming dictator, I am the only one that can keep them safe. So how could I do that? Well, I'll just scare them. I'll scare them real bad. And then, after I scare them real bad, I'll hire a bunch of people to go out there and... um, and to act as protection. But they already have law enforcement, so that won't work. So or peace officers, excuse me. So let's let's think, what could we do? Aha, I got it. We could do something to make them feel safe when they travel. Alright, that'll be good. So we need to make them feel safe, so the best way to make them feel safe is to make sure that everybody feels like nobody's armed. So we'll do we'll do pat downs or something like that. That sounds good. We'll do a pat down. Okay, so now that everybody's getting used to being patted down and it's not that big of a deal, now let's do something else. Let's let's have another event. Let's have a let's have an event where somebody gets something past the pat down. Then we can then we can go for a little bit more. Okay, now that somebody's gotten past the pat down, let's go for Let's go for. Let's see if they'll let them. Let's scan them. That'd be cool. So now we can scan these people. Okay, so we got scans of them. So we got that. Okay, great. Now, what else can we do? Um, now we can. Now we can do stuff on the roads, and we can do stuff in in movie theaters, and we can do stuff in shopping malls to just make them feel unsafe everywhere. So then I can put my little my little squad everywhere to make them feel safe. But in reality, they're no safer than they were five minutes ago when the guy in the uniform wasn't there. So now that I've got everybody used to walking in and getting patted down and going through these little scanners and, and being touched and, and and basically becoming property of somebody else, now I now... I could start introducing other ideas, a way to control, track, and trace these people. So I'll give them a device that they can walk around with that will track them everywhere they go. It will allow them to communicate with other people that have the tracking device. So that will be cool. And and then we can just take it a step further and just say, okay, now we need to institute this thing globally. Look at how well it did over here. They have no – they have no terror attacks. Everybody lives free except for the occasional pat-down, but that's okay. You can live with that because we're keeping you safe. And that's how the nanny state works, and that's where we're at now. And it's only going to get more and more incredible. I would almost bet – I will bet somebody $10 that within the next year that you will see checkpoints run by the TSA. Because they they even said it, so I mean checkpoints on the highway. 
So we're going to pull up to a highway checkpoint, and it's not going to be your cop there doing the old breathalyzer test. It's going to be a TSA official or officer when they're not officers because they're not sworn. They're just little pudgy whatevers. So just be on the lookout for this stuff, guys. And just understand, know your rights, understand what they can and can't do, understand what they can and can't take from you. They can never take your liberty, and don't ever let them take your mind. So that's all I got for you today. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Share the podcast with everybody. We're doing really great stuff here. Got a lot of good reviews. So. Once again, everybody, get a friend, get informed, get involved, and love liberty. Thank you.